How long does it take before we can share it? Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes, and my slightly less important co-host, Caleb Jenks, is joining us from Austin, Texas this time. So tonight we're going to be talking about how does the Old Testament and the New Testament work together? Uh, what do we do with the Old Testament? And what do we do with the New Testament? And, you know, how, how does that all work? Uh, you know, what are Christians responsible for? And they seem really different. So how do we, how do we navigate those waters? Along with that, I want to let everyone know that next Friday, we are going to be talking about, can I live with my boyfriend before I get married? And, you know, I just realized that, Caleb, since both you and I are males and we labeled the, the podcast, Can I Live With My Boyfriend, people might be missing the point. Uh, it should be, Can I Live With My Boyfriend or Girlfriend? Uh, we're not, it's not a podcast about homosexuality, although one day we can tackle that subject. It is about uh, living together and, um, you know, the elephant in the room. It's called fornication. So we're going to talk about that. And jump into that next we'll, Friday. So that'll be a spicy. We'll have sixty. We'll have sixty seconds to step on toes. So we could probably go ahead and touch <laughs> on the homosexuality in the same one. Yeah, I'm sure everyone's going to turn us off pretty quick once we get into, um, you know, uh, fornication and uh, sex outside of wedlock and how the Bible looks at that. Okay, so Caleb. <clears throat> you and I were talking just before we started, and I don't think we've really ever got into this subject as far as how does the Old Testament work with the New Testament. So I'm curious. I know you've thought about this, and I know you live your life uh, differently than most Christians that I know. And tell me what's going on. Um, what do you think? How does it work? You know, give me, give me your thoughts. I thought they were like mortal enemies. I didn't think there was any way they could possibly move, work together. Oh, here we go. I guess I should put my phone on silent. Oh, no, no. Phone ringing, babies in the other room screaming. I think it's all our listeners will, will appreciate all of it. Yeah, so that's, that seems to be the big, the big question is how do we have, um, how do we have cr Christianity where we live by the Bible and there's the there's major differences between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I think it's going to be a fun topic to tackle. Um, I am actually eager to hear your thoughts on this as well. But um, yeah, I guess one of the things that I would think of is I guess you first have to de define um, Old Testament and New Testament and what that means. And I guess what is the basic differences there? That is the first thing I had written down on my little notepad here as far as, you know, where to begin which is when does the Old Testament end and when does the New Testament begin? And I know my thoughts are different than just about every Christian I've ever met. So let me hear your thoughts first, and then we'll go from there. Where, when do you think the Old okay. Testament ends? Start with that. And why? Well, so I actually personally despise the idea of calling it the Old Testament and the New Testament. I, I understand why it's called that. <laughs> Thank you. But... Thank you for saying that. Get it out there. So it is, it's really interesting that it's, that it is divided along those lines because I actually see, I see um, that while well, there is a timeline where there was a difference between the two um, and a space of expanse of time between the, the writings of the Old Testament and the writings of the New Testament, I really don't see 
the New Testament clearly being differentiated from the Old Testament, um, I think it would more properly be said the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant. And it's actually a lot Much more better. complex. It's a lot more complex even than that. But when you actually understand the idea of the New Covenant coming in, um, and the Old Covenant was actually a combination of, of a lot of covenants, but the, the New Covenant is really a delineation of um, the all the old covenants and the new covenant. And um, I think most people would think of the old Testament as being the law of Moses. And that was the covenant that God had with, with his people, but it's actually, it's a lot more than that. So um, I would say when I think old Testament versus new Testament, I think of old Testament. And I think of um, if somebody had asked me, so what is the old Testament about? I would say, well, it lists creation. It lists, you know, the, the flood, it, it lists the fall of man. It has a story of um, Abraham, of Moses, of, you know, the judges coming in, um, prophets, uh, prophets, people that prophesied to the Northern kingdom of Israel, the, the Southern kingdom, uh, you know, Judah, you see um, God having mercy on his people and working through all these, these stories, you know, David and Goliath, these famous stories that we all know in the old Testament. And then if I, if somebody was to ask me, so what is the new Testament about? I would say, Jesus, that's it. You yep. have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John telling us about Jesus. You know, you have all the apostolic writings about Jesus where they spent their whole life and went to their grave talking about Jesus. Um, you have uh, prophecy about the end times talking about the fulfillment of, of e the eternal um, covenant, which actually the interesting thing about the eternal covenant is that has, that says in Revelation that it came before the, the beginning of the world. Um, that our names were written in, in the Lamb's Book of Life. So the eternal covenant doesn't seem to really have a time time lapse. So it's 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 kind of a little more complex, I think, than what we think of when we're like, oh, oh, we're Christians, that's old testament. We're we're under the new the new covenant, we're under the New Testament, we're under grace, and that's all old testament. So I guess I'll I've said my little piece there. I don't know, I don't know how that lines up with your thoughts. Um, but the storyline between the Old Testament and the New Testament is a major thing that I see different. The Old Testament was a lot of history. It was God interacting with his people. The New Testament is Jesus. And um, if I was to go through the covenants, the old covenant versus the new covenant, um, God made a uh, co covenant uh, with mankind in the Garden of Eden. He gave us dominion over the world. Um, he also gave us the opportunity for fellowship with him. There was promises that were made there. And some of those promises still exist to this day, even though we are under the new covenant. Um, he also made promises to Adam, a covenant with Adam there, which wasn't so pretty uh, when the, with the fall of man, the curse. Um, we're still living underneath that covenant, even though we're under grace in the New Testament, we're still under the curse because we're living in a fallen world. Uh, he made covenants with uh, Noah. He said, you know, that he wasn't ever going to get to flood the earth. He's still keeping that promise. He's not, you know, the, the rainbow. Um, then there was Abraham, uh, Moses, uh, Palestinian covenant, you know, that they would be able to live in the promised land as long as they obeyed. If they disobeyed, that they would be cursed. Uh, you know, Moses, he, <clears throat> he promised a lot to Moses. There's a lot in that covenant. That would be the most people when they think of the Old Testament, they would think of that covenant as being the old covenant. Um, Abraham, there was everlasting covenants made with Abraham that he would bless those that bless bless them, curse those that curse them. All the nations of the earth would be blessed through through the uh, children of Abraham forever uh, as an everlasting covenant. Um, so, anyways, David, and then uh, you know he, David, it, and actually, if you look back to to the the most damning 
covenant that was ever made is the curse with Adam, but that's where he promised Jesus because he said that um, her seed, the woman would have, have uh, extra pain in childbearing, but that her seed would crush, crush Satan. And he's, that was a prophecy of Jesus there. So that's actually one of the biggest promises that was given to us that we now enjoy the, the benefit of the most was actually given in the middle of the, the uh, that covenant in the curse. So that's the way that I wrap my mind around it is, is, um, is, is it's a lot more complex than Old Testament and New Testament. It's Old Covenant and New Covenant, but even the Old Covenant, we're still under some of that Old Covenant. So I don't know, take it away. That was the best seven and a half minute answer I've heard on this podcast in quite a while. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> sorry, I dozed off about halfway through it. So I'm going to have some questions for you when we, when we come back around, but I did count how many times you said the word covenant and you actually, uh, surpassed 1 million times. Um, okay. So as, as Caleb said, you know, I, I agree the, the problem with labeling it, the old Testament, and the new Testament is that it causes a dividing line, which first of all is not placed in the right spot. And then number two, it gives the idea that the old is less or bad or that there's, whereas the new it's like, Oh yeah, we, we like the new new is what's important and that's shiny. And we, we want that, you know, you know, I don't want the old thing. And it's really a shame. It does, you know, it, it, you can't even, you know, get up in the air, you know, with, with that label on it. So, <clears throat> but I really like the idea of talking about the old covenant and the new covenant. And to be honest with you, Caleb's right. There are many, many covenants in the Bible. It, depending on how you want to break it up, uh, a lot of theologians will talk about the four unconditional covenants found in the Bible. And one of those is what crosses over into the New Testament. <clears throat> and that is uh, the one we find in Jeremiah. And that is the one that opens it up to all of us Gentiles, which I certainly believe was the plan from the beginning. <clears throat> now, I'm going to start by defining when the Old Testament ended, because I hate to tell you, it was not uh, in the last book of the Old Testament, which is the Italian prophet Malachi. It actually ended up happening in one of two places. You can argue that the Old Testament ended with John, with John the Baptist. Uh, you can certainly say that John the Baptist was the last Old Testament prophet. If you wanted to say that, there's scripture to back that up. I don't think that's hard. And then you can also say that the Old Testament ended at the cross, and that was actually the dividing line. And it's funny because that is where I lean. I don't see scriptural evidence to suggest that the Old Testament ended anywhere other than those two points, John the Baptist or at the cross. But if you have something that you think explains that. Anyone at home, please send in the scripture. I'd love to see what your th thoughts are. Caleb, if I sound crazy, stop me and, and let me know if you can think of a, a good scripture that gives us a real good dividing line for somewhere other than those two places. Now, also, I believe that the New Testament certainly 
without any doubt, starts no earlier than the cross. And the Bible is very clear on that. The Bible is clear on that when we turn to Hebrews chapter 9, verse uh, 16. And I don't have uh, Hebrews 9, 16. I didn't open it up, so bear with me. I'm going to read it as fast as Google can uh, bring it up here. Okay. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. So a testament cannot be in existence until the testator dies. Well, that's very clear. I mean, how many people in the Bible, their death was a significant event in biblical history? Certainly there were several deaths that were important, but obviously we're talking about Jesus who talks about and explains the New Testament. I mean, he uses those words, you know, so, so I think the New Testament clearly starts at the cross, which is interesting because if the New Testament starts at the cross, then that means everything Jesus taught prior to his resurrection was Old Testament. And boy, that does not go over well in churches today, because I think Christians like the idea that they only have to adhere to the New Testament and they can ignore everything in the Old Testament because that makes your life easier and more simple. It really doesn't. We've discussed this before. Every time Jesus explains how the Pharisees didn't understand an Old Testament law, when Jesus explains how it's really supposed to be uh, adhered to, you find that he raises the bar way up here and actually makes it uh, tougher. But you also even find scriptures in the Bible, which we can get into if you want in a little bit, where Jesus even says that you should all be doing what the Pharisees are saying. You should observe what they say and you should do it. Now, you should not do what they do because they're hypocrites. And that was his point in Matthew chapter 23. But read the first two or three verses in Matthew 23, Jesus clearly says, yeah, these guys sit in the seats of Moses. You need to listen to them and you need to observe everything they say, but don't do what they do because they're a nightmare. I mean, that's the, and it's funny because that gets glossed over and you're not going to hear that preach much on a Sunday because, you know, it, it uh, again, you, you know, you can't, <laughs> you can't get that thing off the ground, which that, Honestly, it was a huge compliment that Jesus said that about Absolutely. the Pharisees. He would, he would, he would never say that about Patrick and I. He'd be like, "Don't do yep. what they do." And by the <laughs> yeah. way, don't don't even do what they say. Don't either. even listen to what they say. <laughs> Obviously, don't do what they do. But no, when you think about it, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, although they had tons of stuff that they did wrong and they missed the mark so many times, they were serious about trying to keep the law. They were also serious about trying to figure out loopholes to get out of keeping the law. Okay. But they were kind of the professional law keepers. Okay. So <clears throat> Caleb, you tell me as far as my timeline for when the old Testament stops and the new Testament begins, would you at least agree that it does not end in the last in chapter four of Malachi? I mean, is that, do we have, is that a good place to start? Can we, do we hold that common ground? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would, I would, I would tend to agree that if if we go off the idea that the New Testament, the way that it's applied in in churches, that okay, we're we're a New Testament church, so we're only going to do what's in the New Testament, and then they and then we're not doing half of what's in the New Testament because 
anytime that anything comes up that actually might take, you know, us to actually be Christ-like or follow Jesus's footsteps. (laughs) Yeah. Or be uncomfortable. Yeah. Exactly. Anytime that anything that comes up that's uncomfortable, we're like, oh, well, that was before the crucifixion. You know, that was Jesus was, of course, he was living like a Jew because it was Old Testament and we're New Testament. It's like, well, actually, that was in the New Testament. (laughs) So, yeah, I think technically, as far as it is, would be more accurately described as the the new covenant starting at the at the cross and um, the the rest of it being Old Testament. Now, the the interesting thing about or I'm sorry. Yeah. Old Covenant before that. The interesting thing about that is that when Jesus comes to set an example for us, when he actually takes on humanity for us to, um, for him to actually have all the same temptations that we have for him to walk and be pure and blameless and not fall into sin and us to actually have a role model to follow really does us no good. We might as well just throw out Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because that's old Testament. And none of that applies because until the crucifixion, everything that Jesus did, everything that Jesus said, even when he says, you know, obey the scribes and Pharisees, they sit in Moses seat, just don't do what they do or yeah, do what they say, not what they do. That's a really good example of, well, that only did, you know, everything that Jesus said up until his death, really, you can just throw that away with the old Testament because we're now we're new Testament Christians. Now, so yeah, I would agree now, that that on, can be very, on. let me ask you a question because I'm confused because Jesus obviously gave the teachings in the gospels, right? Which everyone considers new Testament, but who right. was it that wrote the old Testament? That was just a bunch of Jews making stuff up on their own, right? I mean, God had nothing to do with that. Jesus certainly doesn't appear anywhere back there or have anything to do with it, right? Am I, I mean, am I missing something? (laughs) That seems to be the popular belief Um, or not necessarily belief, but that's the practice. But when Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments, Mm -hmm. if Jesus is God, he's talking about the commandments as they were known at the time. When he talks about the law and the prophets, he says, this sums up the law and the prophets. He's talking mm-hmm. about the Old Testament. Um, I think somebody had a typo. They just sent us hell and bless you. <laughs> it was it was Karen. She was trying to say hello. Okay, hello. All right, we'll, we'll forgive you for the for, for leading your, your comment there with a curse word. <clears throat> okay, so, so people... What we would suggest is go home, do your own homework, get your Bible out, figure this out for yourself. But I gave you the one scripture about the New Testament starting at um, uh, starting at the crucifixion. Okay, I'm going to give you the scripture about John being. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Okay, so Matthew eleven thirteen, we read, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, speaking of John the Baptist. So there in Matthew 11 is where we, that's what we pull from to see that the prophets and the law, keep in mind the law, we're talking about the first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses, Genesis through Deuteronomy, and then everything after that, Joshua all the way through Malachi, we typically call or what would be referred to by the New Testament writers and Christ as the prophets. Okay. Un- understand that some of them were judges. Some of yeah, them were, yeah right. but, but keep in mind, you know, they, they had prophets at that time. So understand what we're right. talking about is the law and the prophets is Genesis to Malachi. 
And in Matthew 11, that's where we we pull from that verse where Jesus is explaining that the that all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, meaning that the Old Testament period stopped at John the Baptist. So another idea that you could run with, and, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong, you could always say that Old Testament was up until John the Baptist who introduced Christ. Christ had this interim period, and then at the crucifixion, the New Testament started. You can go that way as well if you want to believe that. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. What I am going to say is do your own homework. Go through the verses. I'll put them up on the screen here so you can look them up. And we're going to move on to another question. Okay, so Caleb, then let me ask you this, because a lot of people have misunderstandings about salvation. As a matter of fact, one of my kids asked me this just I think it was, yeah, it was yesterday. They, did, they didn't wake up to read the Bible this morning. They all slept in. But yesterday when we were reading through uh, Matthew, one of them said, well, dad, how did they get saved in the Old Testament? Can you answer that question? And then I'll jump in when you're done. Well, big uh, spoiler alert. It was not through the law. <laughs> the Old Testament <laughs> salvation did not come through keeping of the law, which is really, really um, a very important thing to understand as a believer, as a New Testament, as a Christian, is that uh, the Jews were not saved through the keeping of the law. The keeping of the law pointed out the fact that they were walking in disobedience to God. It showed them that they needed a savior, but they were saved through grace in the Old Testament, no different than we are in the New Testament. As a short answer, that's what I would say. Grace is not new introduced in the New Testament. That's been there all, ever since the beginning of time. Okay, and I, <clears throat> I want to say ditto. Uh, I'm right in line with you. They were saved by grace through faith, just like we are today. And the way I explained it to my kids is I said, okay, kids, well, how do you get saved? And, you know, as a 10, 11, and 12-year-old, <clears throat> they fumbled through, well, we get saved by, you know, <clears throat> believing in Jesus. Okay, well, what about him? Well, he's God. Okay, and and what does that mean? Well, he died on the cross to forget, you know, to forgive us of our sins. So I said, okay. I said, did you guys see him do that? And they're like, no. I said, okay, but you know, why do you believe that? They're like, well, we read the Bible and we believe what it says. And we've, you know, so we, <clears throat> I drew, I got around to the point where it was like, okay, so we are believing in something that happened 2000 years ago. We weren't there. We didn't see it, but we believe it. And we have evidence for that. And I'm not going to get into that now. I said, okay, so what about the people in the old Testament? And they're like, I said, did they see Jesus? No. Did they see him crucified? No. Did they meet him? No. Okay. Well, what were they believing in? Well, they were believing in Jesus to come. We were, we believe in Jesus who has come. The, the, the idea of the Messiah and God coming is not new. I mean, that's written from all over the Old Testament. So they had faith <clears throat> in an event to come and that God had the ability to forgive them of their sins and save them, just like we believe. It's, it's the exact same thing. It's just from two points on a timeline. And <clears throat> just to be clear with everyone, the sacrifices never had anything to do with salvation in the Old Testament. They had to do with restoring a wrong relationship with God. Just like the Christian today has 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. When you study through <clears throat> the Pentateuch and you learn about the sacrifices, you find out that those sacrifices were for specific reasons when they wanted to thank God, when they were wrong and they wanted to get right with God, 
Okay, and you got to remember that the Jews in the Old Testament, they did not have direct access to God like you and I do today with prayer. So they would bring sacrifices and they would go through the priest and through the burning of incense and the sacrifices. That is how they would communicate with God and, and show God that they loved them and they were sorry for the wrongs they had done and, and that they wanted to have a right relationship with them. Do you want to add anything to that or correct me anywhere along the way, Caleb? No, I think you're, you're, you're spot on there. It's, it was still in the Old Testament, if God chose to have mercy on someone, that was still, he didn't really owe it to them. Correct. And it's, it's important to realize that it wasn't, it wasn't a matter of them earning their salvation. The Old Testament was still a free gift uh, through um, the atonement that was offered was still a free gift of grace through their faith. And uh, so, yeah, I would say there's really very little difference really between the Old Testament and the New Testament as far as that goes. It's a still the same God of mercy. It's a still the same God of justice. Um, so uh, something that I was going to mention here, which uh, hopefully I'm not taking it way off topic. Some people could say, all right, so big deal. What's the difference between the New Testament and the Old Testament? Mm -hmm. We're on, on this podcast spending, we're 25 minutes into it now talking about some technical difference. And so what would you say to me? I think this is actually where a lot of people have gone way off the rails and completely um, put God into this, into this box and discounted what it really means to live for God and to be, to have Jesus as Lord of their life. When, when we um, minimize, when we minimize the idea of God's holiness and we say, Oh, well, we're just a new Testament church. Uh, we're under, we're under grace. We don't need the old Testament law. It can go that way or it can go the other way where we decide to go all the way back and subject ourselves to the torture of trying to perfect the Old Testament. And it seems like people go to one one extreme or the other. And of course, if you just listen to Patrick, he's got the perfect balance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you said it, Caleb. Um, <clears throat> so I think you hit the nail right on the head because you usually find the two far ends of the spectrum. And, and as you said, the one is completely ignoring the Old Testament, which you shortchange yourself if you do that. Keep in mind, friends, when you decide to take all the commandments of God and just ignore them, you are the one that suffers. You and those around you and your loved ones are the ones that are going to lose out and that are not going to be able to be as close to God and are not going to have a blessed life. Then you have the far other side of the spectrum where someone tries to put themselves under the law where they feel every single commandment in the Old Testament is obligatory. And when you do that, you're really ignoring basically all of Ephesians and Galatians and Hebrews and a lot of books in the Bible where Paul tries to explain very clearly that there was a purpose for that law and it was never to uh, succeed in living under it and live a successful life under the law. The, the law was always a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The, the law is a mirror. We look in the mirror and we see where we need to shave if we missed a spot, right? Okay, but you do not- How many years has it been done since you- Yeah, yeah it's been How many while. years has it been since you did that? Uh, but we do not use the mirror to, to save us. You ready for this? You are shaved by grace. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> we went through all that to get to that horrible pun that, that I stole from another preacher. But but the point is that 
the law is the schoolmaster to point us to Christ. That we the law is to remind us of what a failure we are. We were we were never supposed to succeed in the law. But with that, I can tell you personally, my experience is that every time <clears throat> I have picked up Old Testament laws and applied them to my life and tried to live by them, it has been a blessing to me. So I look at things where God says, do this, it's good. And I try doing it and implementing in my life. And I find out, wow, look at that. It is good. And it's been good for me. And I, and I feel closer to God. And I, and I learn something about God in the process. And I think far too many people, especially today in America, I think too many people live on the side of let's ignore the Old Testament and just we throw the baby out with the bathwater and we miss all these blessings. And, you know, there aren't too many. There's certainly much fewer people trying to put themselves under the law. I don't feel like we're pushing that boundary where we're like, whoa, everyone's got to calm down. I don't see America going that route. I see America as trying to ignore great portions of the Bible. That's the danger uh, that I see. Okay, so Caleb, so, what is the balance that you've struck? You and I seem to agree on that idea of the spectrum and the extremes. What's the balance you've struck? Where do you find yourself? What did you used to believe? What brought you to where you are? Tell me something about that. So I'm the one thing I'm confident in is that when I get to the end of this thing and I stand before God, that he's going to be like, you idiot, <laughs> what were you thinking? You know, we agree. So again, I come to that Caleb. confidence. <laughs> but all right. So this is this is a I would say this is a very this is really the kind of the crux of how does this actually apply to us as mm -hmm. as Christians? How do we, you know this is we, we talk over some of the technicalities, of, but how does this apply to us? And in general, Christians seem to have come to the consensus that there's the Old Testament. The Jews were required to live under that law. The New Testament in general, most all Christians of all sizes and stripes seem to agree that we're not obligated to live under the Old Testament law. That's pretty, it's pretty much common belief. It seems to be um, agreed upon by Paul over and over and over again in the Bible that, hey, you know, this was a schoolmaster. It pointed us to our need for, for salvation. Um, so it seems like that we're pretty much all in agreement that there is a difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. How does this, how does this play out? I've come uh, my, my short answer on this is I've come to two different conclusions. Um, if I was to give somebody a short answer on does the Old Testament apply, I would say that anything that is repeated in the New Testament, you can count on that it applies to us. And there's a lot of the Old Testament that is repeated in the, in the New Testament. That would be one way to go. But there's some things that are not repeated in the New Testament. And so the other way that I would, that I would go with it, and this is more the, the way that I tend to lean, is that anything that mentions that it was an eternal covenant, um, unless it had something to do with um, the sacrificial law that was fulfilled through Jesus. Um, I would say 100% of the sacrificial law was fulfilled through Jesus. He, he was the final sacrifice. Our atonement comes through the blood of Jesus, not through the blood of goats. Go ahead. You got so a thought. Here, so here's a question for you. <clears throat> so could you say that all of the sacrifices listed in Leviticus 23, I believe it is, mm -hmm. could you say that they are all required today? I would say yes, but that they're fulfilled through Jesus. I agree. There's, I don't see a problem. I don't see incongruity 
between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Okay, the, right. the burnt offering, the peace offering, all of the offerings that we can read about in the Bible are all fulfilled through Christ. And that's that's easy to see. And as a matter of fact, it's actually right. explicitly said in a few places where Jesus said, where Paul says, Christ is your Passover. Oh, okay. Right. So then, Caleb, could you also say that all of the seven Jewish feast days listed are also fulfilled in Christ. Is that fair? I would say so. I mean, I'm not sure if I've done enough study on the feast days um, to know, to know how that all feel is fulfilled, but I, is that your, I guess, is that your understanding of it? I mean, oh, I would say that none of, none of it is obligatory. No, no. And what you find out, and that's the, that's the fun part about studying the old Testament is you can take anything that you learn about. You can take the, uh, the cities of refuge, you can take the crossing of the Red Sea, the crossing of the Jordan to get into the promised land. You can take any of the feast days, Passover and uh, Yom Kippur and the Feast of First Fruits, And you find out that all you got to do is throw Jesus right in the middle of it. And you're like, oh, I get it. Look at that. One more thing that points to Christ. And so right. and, and like I said, some of these things are explicit. Paul said explicitly, Christ is your Passover. It's in first or second Corinthians. You can you can search it for yourself. Maybe I'll look it up in a second. But that was my point is that, again, it's easy to see that if someone wanted to say, uh, you know, Christians need to uh, keep the seven feast days in the Old Testament, I would say I 100 percent agree. The problem is they're all fulfilled in Christ. If you're saved, those are fulfilled. You know, the, the reason to actually exercise those like you and I have talked about is because it's a great learning opportunity that can be a blessing to you and your family. Okay. But saying that, which is what they were designed for from yeah, the get go. From the very beginning. It wasn't like, it wasn't like they were getting saved through them. It was Correct. as a reminder of the fact that God Correct. was saving them from so again, we see the same thing in the Old Testament. They were set up to be a great teaching tool for families to teach their kids. And what are they in the New Testament? They're a great teaching tool for families to teach their kids. Well played. Sorry, I, I interrupted yeah, so, with those questions. Please continue. Really? You did? <laughs> no, <laughs> that's just fine. Good points. So yeah, that would be my I, kind of the conclusion that I've come to is anything that was repeated in the New Testament still applies. Anything that was in the Old Testament that said it was everlasting, that did not apply to the um, the, the temple duties, which were, uh, to me, is pretty clear that as soon as the sacrificial law was fulfilled through Jesus, the, the veil in the temple was torn, our access now comes through Jesus, and all of, so all of that passed away, that, that part of the old, you know, old covenant definitely passed away and the new, new covenant came in. What puzzles me is... I'll hear, this is a very common thing to hear a lot of pastors uh, preach on, is they'll say the whole Old Testament was just a picture to point us to Jesus. Everything in the New Testament was just a picture. It, it's just an illustration of Jesus. That's all that it was for. And it was all just to usher in, in Jesus. And then Jesus in the New Testament is really all that matters now. However, and you do have some, you do have some people that actually really in practice are more consistent along those lines. And I find that to be more... Uh, more, uh, more logically, I can wrap my mind around that a little better than those that actually then will believe in, in Old Testament promises. And so if you believe in any of the Old Testament promises that come with some of these old covenants, like the fact that God is uh, 
not going to flood the, the earth again. The, um, the idea that he promised Jesus during the curse, the, the idea that you'll hear your pastor still talk about the fact that we live in a fallen world and that's where sin comes into the world was through the fall. Um, some of the different, uh, different things that were prophesied in the, in the old Testament that are going to come to pass and have not yet come to pass. I don't see the old Testament as having passed away as a book and we just live in the new Testament. So I think this is, this is where it's important for us to realize that Jesus didn't intend to throw it out. He said he came to fulfill it, but not to destroy it. Mm -hmm. And so, so it seems to me that it is, it is safe to say that there's a continuum that runs all the way from the, from the beginning of Genesis, all the way through revelation that is still the word of God. It's still the Bible. It's still alive. And that, that we can't just separate and, and throw, throw half of it out and say, that's old Testament. All we care about is the new Testament. Um, if you believe that, um, if you believe that Jesus was prophesied in the, in the old Testament and, and, <laughs> And, and that prophecy came true, then everything else is in the Old Testament that, that about the second coming of Christ, we should still be interested in. Um, and of course, that's not talking so much about, about uh, duties that we would have on our end. That's talking about prophecy or promise. But there's many other promises that aren't as, um, like we're all looking forward to the second coming of Christ. That's something that all Christians believe in. And yet it's wow. prophesied right alongside Okay. We have some people listening to us tonight that don't believe in the second coming of Christ. Okay, sure. probably so, but most sure. most Christians, yes. So the really the new covenant, we we were given a couple of promises in the New Testament, uh, the new covenant, and that is the blood of Jesus, um, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. You know the and and that's about it. You know we we have eternal life through Jesus. And if that's all that we take is, is everything that happened after the crucifixion is salvation, then we miss, we really throw, like Patrick said, you throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's a lot of, there's a lot of promises that we all live by and believe and, and agree with as Christians that then contradict the fact that we say, oh no, we don't need to keep any of the, the requirements. Many of those promises are conditional promises. So what, I guess, would you, um, what would you say are are some of the implications that you've seen with this in in the church? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with mainstream mega church mm -hmm. where you see Christianity mega pastors mm -hmm. that have devoted I see them devoting large portions of their time preaching stuff that's nowhere you're not even found in the Bible prosperity gospel these types of things and then anytime that anything comes up about the Old Testament they just oh that's Old Testament just kind of throw that out we're gonna just stick with the New Testament you run out of things to talk about you got Jesus you got the blood of Jesus and that's about it. Yep. You know, and then all of all of so it makes sense that then you end up getting lost in the weeds talking about you know how to how to earn earn a Learjet through your faithfulness to God through you know uh, donating to my church and me as a pastor and you know hold your wallet up to the TV screen here and I'm the blessed and God's going to do all these things that He never says He's going to do. There's plenty of promises that He will do if we obey Him, but we uh, obedience that's not popular. Let's just ignore that. You know, so you started asking me a question and, and then you got to the prosperity. I answered gospel. the question. Yeah, yeah, that's the end of it. As soon as you. Get... Well, that's just one. That's just so one was, example of it. Give me a question. What was your question? 
<laughs> that would just be one example of it, of, of how you see the church, the, the liability of, of pastors and, and church leaders that are leading, leading flocks astray by teaching this idea that the, the New Testament completely replaced the Old Testament. We don't need it. Okay. And okay. then we get lost in the weeds with things like prosperity gospel. There's plenty of other things like that, but. I get it. Okay. So what I will say <clears throat> I see as the biggest detriment to ignoring the Old Testament and just leaning so heavily on the New Testament is a the idea of holiness and separation being completely lost. Because the Old Testament hammers that home so many times because you had this group going into the promised land. And you have to remember that the group that went into the promised land, almost nobody in that group even saw the crossing of the Red Sea or the Passover. Maybe a couple teenagers, but everyone from 20 years old and up died in the wilderness. And then you had that second generation that Joshua led into the promised land. And right before they go into the promised land, God gives Joshua a pep talk. And then the same pep talk is given to the nation of Israel 10,000 times by 10 million different prophets over the next couple thousand years. And that was basically this. You have a choice before you, life and death, blessings and curse, cursings, choose life. Uh, worship God, obey God, follow God, read the Bible, obey the Bible, and separate yourself from the nations about you. Okay, you're not allowed to eat like they eat. You're not allowed to have a marriage like they have. You're not allowed to conduct business like they do. You're, you're basically not allowed to look anything like, smell anything like, act anything like, you know, sound anything like the nations about you. They are terrible. They are the antithesis of what I want you to be, speaking from, you know, first person, the place of God. And God was telling the nation of Israel this over and over and over again. And they continued to drift back over to the side of the world and wanting to do like the world and be governed like the world. I mean, when they started, when they moved from judges to kings, it was so we can be like all the other nations. That's what they said. So when you move away from the Old Testament, you only focus on the New Testament. And like you said, Caleb, Christians today don't just move away from the Old Testament and focus on the New Testament. They move away from the Old Testament and focus on about half of the New Testament. They don't even like the parts of the New Testament that tell them. And they drag all kinds of they drag all kinds of nonsense in there along with if you get on YouTube, if you get on YouTube, just Google Old Testament versus New Testament and you'll find pastor after pastor after pastor bashing the old testament um josh josh collingwood just said on here uh evangelical pastor andy stanley says that we need to unhitch ourselves from the old testament you know that's a very very common thing to say you know you need to you need to let go of that in christ and well that's bad there is some truth in it it's taught as if the old testament is is some sort of the mortal enemy of god and that you have to avoid it as if it was the most evil thing that you could touch yeah and, and unfortunately, they never mentioned that it was written by God who said, I am the Lord thy God, I change not. They never bring that one right. in the conversation. So I see a separation from holiness. I see uh, Christians running towards worldliness. And that is what you get if you're not willing to read through the Old Testament. Caleb, between you and me, I haven't studied the New Testament. The only reason I'm reading Matthew is because I'm going through it with my kids. But before we went through Matthew, <clears throat> we went through Genesis, Exodus, 
uh, Joshua Judges, Samuel Kings. I mean, we went through the whole timeline and and gave them the foundation, and 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 I wanted them to see what God was really uh, like back then, because they don't hear about it very much. You don't you don't see the Old Testament played out on the flannel graph in Sunday school. You know, you you only hear the you know the nice, soft, comfortable stuff and. And God hates wickedness. He hates immorality. He hates evil. And he and there are sins <clears throat> that he takes very seriously. And he called capital crimes back in the Old Testament. Nowadays, it's so ridiculous where people are nowadays. Nowadays, it's like... <clears throat> You know, uh, you and your homosexual boyfriend, uh, you know, come to church and listen to the woman pastor and afterward go out and get drunk. And, I mean, it just never ends. And, you know, we, we're under grace. So, it, you know, basically do whatever you want. There, there, There's no standards anymore. It's unbelievable. And <clears throat> that is not a well-rounded picture of God. It's not. It's not even close. And for that matter, this book, this book is 80% Old Testament. Actually, that's not true. It's greater than 80% Old Testament. It is either the Old Testament or it's the New Testament quoting the Old Testament. Not that anyone right. recognized that or, you know, go back and see what, you know, where the verse came from. So I, I see uh, liberalism, ecumenicalism. I see evangelical uh evangelicalism i don't know if that's a word i see these things creeping into our we'll church. just make them up on yeah, the make them up as we go this is a <laughs> craigslist level <laughs> uh christian podcast anyhow so <clears throat> so i see that standards are gone separation is gone and i see that because it is just the burger king christianity have it your way come as you are leave as you came you know don't worry about it yeah. So uh, my wife just made a, a, a very interesting point here. She said uh, that they may feel the need to distance or they feel the need to distance themselves from the apparent violence and xenophobia in the, in the old Testament. Mm -hmm. All right. So this is a really, really good point. I was actually thinking about this earlier, how one of the biggest promises that I have as a Christian, as a believer, as somebody that doesn't feel like I need to take justice into my hands every time I see injustice is the promise that we have of justice at the end of this deal. I saw today on, I saw today on, um, well, it was on Facebook, but it was actually a link that somebody shared from Twitter of a guy in Chicago, a, a nurse in Chicago, beating to pulp an elderly uh, guy in a nursing home, just beating him to pulp. And it made my blood boil. I, I mean, honestly, it just made me so sick to my stomach that I just, you know, I, I, I saw it. And I'm like, thank God that there's gonna be justice at the end of this thing. Sometimes I, I see things like that happen. And I'm just like, come quickly, Jesus, let's bring this, bring this thing to the end, because there is so much evil in the world. There's people that are doing things that really there should be hell to pay for, for some of the evil in the world. And the, the idea that the New Testament is a lot more popular if you're trying to get a sales pitch to get people in the door of your church where you see, well, yes, we still have the promise of justice, but God's withholding his wrath till the end of time. In the, in the, in the Old Testament, 
you kind of dealt with things on the fly as they came up. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? We're done with these guys. We're going to just open the earth up, swallow it up <laughs> and they're done. It's not always a great sales pitch when you're like, all right, let's, let's open a Deuteronomy and we're going to have a Bible study today and let's see if we can get 10 more church members ready to get baptized here. Mm-hmm. You know, those, some, some of what happened in the old Testament is, is recorded history of God's justice being played out. And it's not always pretty. It's not always popular to preach the fact that there is hell. A lot of a lot of pastors want to shy away from that. We just preach grace, love, mercy, and everything's hunky dory. But it's still the same God of justice that we had in the Old Testament that we have in the New Testament. <clears throat> and, and I actually go, see. Go ahead. Yeah, no, go no, ahead. finish your point. I'll get back to it. Well, I see hell as as a huge promise of the fact that there the, it, we couldn't see God as a just God if there wasn't the option of Him punishing evil. If he didn't have, if, if there wasn't some way that there would be justice served on those that are, you know, that are, are evildoers. Um, so to me, that is, I see hell as a good thing. And it is as negative as it is, I see hell as a good thing. There, there, it would not be just if we served a God that let evil go unpunished. It would either need to get punished now or later. Sometime it needs to get dealt with. So the Old Testament, we see it getting handled on the spot. New Testament, we have a promise that it's going to be handled. Go ahead. <clears throat> I think that point about justice is great because far too many people, they don't, they don't recognize that justice is coming. There will be a day of reckoning. Nothing is going to be forgotten. There is nothing that any of us will get away with. And that's something that we need to remember because we don't see it happen instantly like they did in the Old Testament. And you made that point. And nowadays, <clears throat> okay, the nation of Israel. I hear crickets. Yeah, the nation. Well, I was, I was thinking, I thought you heard wood burning. The, the nation of Israel was punished, uh, taken away captive by the Babylonians for 70 years. And that was in the works. God knew that was coming. They didn't see the hand of God punishing them for what they were doing, which was horrible, horrible sins. Read first and second Kings, really just read second Kings and go through and see what all the Kings were doing. They, they were so wicked that the pagan nations surrounding them would blush based on the behavior of the Israelites living under certain kings. That's how wicked they were. And God, the whole time, he had a ledger and he said, there's coming a day. It might not be today, but believe me, it is coming and you will be punished. And keep in mind, the northern half of the nation of Israel, do you know where it is today, Caleb? Yeah, neither does anyone Yeah, exactly. They they were taken away by Assyria and they're gone. They have never, they are lost to history. Nobody knows, nobody ever heard from them again. And that was because of the wickedness of that nation. It was only the Southern kingdom and they were only spared because of King David. That was it. God made an unconditional promise to King David and he said, well, got to keep it. So he had to bring them back. Okay, so. And, and. It's interesting how looking at Old Testament and how things didn't go so well. That was when the, the Babylonians conquered the Syrians and allowed the allowed them to come back to allow, allow the tribe of Judah to come back to 
Israel. And again, it's another bloody mess that we have recorded in the Old Testament, but it was God's promises being carried out. And yes, we look at the Old Testament, it's not that popular to think of a God that carries out promises and justice that sometimes are messy. There's sometimes, uh, you know, there's innocent lives that look like are, you know, being lost. And yeah, that's not, it's a lot more popular to say, you know what, forget all that. That's the Old Testament. Now we have Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. he's kind of a kinder, gentler version of God. Uh-huh. You know, God's kind of the mean old guy upstairs, but Jesus, he came along and he was, he was a lot kinder and gentler and we should just oh, love yeah. him and just don't bring up the Old Testament guys. Cause you know, that's just, you know, you're going to lead people astray with that. Yeah. You're going back under the law. Yeah. You it's know, a, there's, it's a, there's a lot killer. of tendency. Yeah, it, exactly. <laughs> okay. So here's something that I was thinking about and, Really, when you get down to the Old Testament and the New Testament working together, and I want to hear your your thoughts on this, it seems like you really only have three options. And we could break these down a little further, but Peyton, with broad strokes here, you could say we're not going to listen to or adhere to anything in the Old Testament and only the New Testament. Option two is we're going to adhere to all of the Old Testament and all of the New Testament. And option three is we're going to adhere to some of the Old Testament and some of the New Testament. So when you have those three, the first two are easy because you're making definite decisions, right? Now, whether the decision is right or wrong, you're completely writing off one half of the book and completely um, following a different half. Or you're saying, I'm going to completely follow both. But how do people, which is, con- which is contradictory. It seems like either one is contradictory. Okay. But how do people balance the some old and some new? Where's the dividing line? If you take that stance, how do you determine what parts you do and what parts you don't? Well, for me, just like I've always said, if Jesus said it, mm-hmm. I believe it. And that settles it. Um, mm-hmm. If, if God required it, if, if God says to do it, let's obey God. Let's mm-hmm. just, I mean, to me, that's the safest bet is, is if it doesn't matter if it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, unless it's explicitly said that this was passed away, mm-hmm. then I think that it's always safer. Now, keep in mind, I'm not saying you have to keep the Sabbath. You have to keep the Passover. You have to do all these things as an uh, obligation in order to earn your salvation. I'm saying as a Christian, as a saved Christian, if, if, if there's ever a question, we should walk on the side of obedience rather than the side of saying, ah, let's just, you know, we'll kind of, we'll walk on the other side of the fence over here and we're probably fine. I think that we should always be looking to obey God, be more like him, less like the world. And that is not the popular, that's not the popular gospel to preach. But mm-hmm. that is, I, that to me, that is, if, if in doubt, obey. Mm-hmm. Okay, so <clears throat> have we had any questions come up? We have about six minutes left. And something I did want to bring up uh, before we uh, finish up here, it, and we have record low attendance uh, for the number of people that are following our page. We have like a thousand people that like Bible Thumper as far as the Facebook page. And it's nice to see that eight of them are with us live tonight. Um, I'm assuming the rest are out carrying on and partying since it's a, since it's a Friday night. So, well, uh, I did not share. I did not share it on my Facebook. <laughs> well, which good, good time a bit of a difference. Yeah, with the last yeah. five minutes, I don't know if we need to try to you know scurry some people in. 
But something I did want to tell everyone is that Caleb and I only have like the next three or four topics picked out. So one thing we would like is if you're watching this video, please make some suggestions as far as what you would like us to tackle. What topics would you like us to tackle? Um, with that being said, we'll make a short post uh, in Bible Thumper asking everyone to do that so we can kind of compile a list uh, and move on. We have, you know, like I said, three or four more weeks all set. And, and believe it or not, I actually got on the stick and, and put up the events. So they're going to show up and you can see what's coming up a week in advance, which will be nice. Okay. <clears throat> um, so jump in. Kim. One thing Go I'll ahead. bring. Yeah. One thing I'll, I'll bring up here is I guess this is your, is this your in-laws or your, anyway, they, they said that they could understand the point that uh, my wife made. Uh-huh about the about the old testament not being popular and people feeling that they need to distance themselves from it there are actually that would be a great uh great title for or a great topic to discuss xenophobia um, I hold the, yeah i actually hold the uh, the unpopular opinion that absolutely everything in the old testament that is listed as evils to prove god wrong mm -hmm. that it's still that god was actually still just even though mm -hmm. he was dealing with messed up humanity over and over again there's people that would bring up and say oh well in the old testament if a guy raped a girl he, he was supposed to then marry her how you know how could that be just well mm -hmm. if god says it i i hold the unpopular belief that if god said it that if god was just i never i, I don't think that i'm here mm -hmm. as a judge and i can put god on trial um there's things like that where i mean nowadays it's most popular to say oh well you know they should get an abortion and, and move on with their life mm -hmm. and that seems to be the uh the gospel now i guess we just hold we hold the bible to the to the uh standards of society right now so those would be interesting things to to tackle some of those topics where it's like man this doesn't seem to fit in with our society and our idea of right and wrong but this is what god said and these are points that people use against the bible and against god because of things in the old testament so anyway that would be a thought that came up here would probably be good to tackle at some point so i wrote that down the term you're looking for is called uh hermeneutics uh, so it right. is it is the way that you uh, the way in which you hold the Bible as far as the level of authority. Someone with a very strong, uh, very tight hermeneutic is someone that takes it very literally and believes just what it says. And then on the other side of that spectrum would be someone that believes that it could be uh, allegorical and that we can determine what the Bible really means based on uh anecdotal evidence and how we feel so th those would be the spectrums but we can definitely put that down and get into it and uh, i should just mention ahead. really quick uh, to to um since i since i brought up that i hold the unpopular belief that god is always right on these mm -hmm. issues doesn't mean that i believe that it was ever god's will for some of these things to happen mm -hmm. there's times where it, it says that god re it repented in that he'd ever even created mankind because things had got so bad and he was ready to wipe people off the face of the earth i mean there's times where god was pretty fed up with us. And so I still believe that what he did was justified and what he did was right. And what he says was right, even though it's not popular. So anyways, um, just to, just to say that I doesn't mean that I think that when God created mankind, that he had, he had in mind as design that there was going to be some of these messed up situations that he had to walk us through and, and give us the right way to deal with it. Um, but it, I think that when we get into understanding the complexity of each of these situations, I do believe that even if we don't understand it. And most mm. of the time, if you look deeper, you, you can't understand why God was justified in doing what he did and why what he did was right. Sometimes there's some things that I can't wrap up neat and tidy, but I still believe that 
God was just. And uh, anyway, go ahead. I think that's a great point, Caleb, because there are plenty of topics where I didn't understand what God meant, how it worked, but I believed it. And later on, God explained it to me, and I learned through study of the Bible and listening to preachers, and it was made very clear to me. God gave me whatever revelation as far as, oh, that's how it works. Thank you for explaining that, God. I've been, I've been wondering that. There are still other things where it doesn't make sense. I don't understand it, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to believe it and obey until I understand it. I'm just going to obey right. because God has proved himself so many times to me. He doesn't have to do it anymore. I'm beyond that point. I believe the book. Just read it and obey it. Okay, so let me ask you something, Josh, or I'm sorry, not Josh, Caleb. Your wife brought up a point here. She said, is it's important to remember that none of this will bring salvation. Only Christ does that, but we can show our love by obeying. Let me ask you this. Does that need to be said every time? Yeah, we've brought that up on every single episode. I mean, seriously. Who that always seems to be who that has been listening to us thinks that we're saying obey God to work your way to heaven. Who thinks we're saying that? (laughs) I know the thing is, though, is I was actually thinking about it the other day. There's some of these episodes that if someone was to tune into an episode and listen to that episode, they would think, oh, man. They must believe, you know, and it's like, well, this is actually explained in another uh, another episode, but I don't believe that everybody that gets on here is going to listen to every single episode that we've ever put out. And all those these things are addressed in other episodes. That is always when it comes to the Old Testament, you can't help but bring this up because everybody everybody's like, oh, so you think you're going to be saved by going back yeah. and, and living totally by the law right. of Moses. I so, I mean, it would be ignoring the elephant in the room. But yes, I agree. I mean, it's it continues to get brought up because especially anytime that you go back to obeying God, everybody's like, oh, wait, so you're trying to yeah, wait, earn your salvation through obedience. They, they quoted the Old Testament. They must believe that right. salvation's by works. I, I am seriously at a point, and, and Rue, I appreciate you bringing it up. I really do, because I understand what Caleb said and your comment are true. People are going to hear part of this, and they're not going to understand, but I'm at a point where I'm like, do I really have to give that caveat every time I quote the Old Testament? Like, is that where we are? For crying out right. loud, people, how many, you know what? That's why churches have doctrinal statements. That's why they do. Maybe we need to put one up on Bible Thumper, you know, uh, just so we don't have to. We'll have to put going. two up, one for, oh. one for you and one for me. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's going to be like 10 lines. It's not going to be complicated. But I mean, you know, for crying out loud, people, it is salvation by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. It is gift of God, not of works. What's a work? anything you've done. You got it? Okay. What is faith? Okay. Faith is believing in what Jesus did. That's where the grace comes from. It's what he did. He did one thing 2000 years ago, and that's all we need. Okay. No works of mine. One work of Jesus's. I believe in it. So, okay. It's just comical to me that, you know, we always have right. to circle back. Not, not that I mean you're going to get saved by works. But I get it. I, I mean, I really do. Yeah, it's like we need to write that on a banner and just leave it on the bottom of the screen as we go through the whole whole thing. Not that not we that could have saying. a we could have a cover we could have a cover screen that comes up at the uh, <clears throat> warning alert. Yeah. <laughs> the Old Testament might be discussed in the next hour. Please do not believe that they are saying salvation comes by works. Oh, brother. Okay. Yeah. We're at an hour. Well, we I guess, yeah, we're at an hour. Unless you have a so, point yeah, you I would want to say, finish with, jump on, you know. No, I mean, I would just say in closing on mm-hmm. this whole topic is that 
um, don't apply the idea that if in doubt, throw it out when it comes to the Bible. Mm -hmm. I would say that's probably the most dangerous thing that you could do to yourself. If, mm -hmm. if God wrote it and it's the only, if it's the only uh, document that we have is a love letter from him to us and we can read it and learn about him and his ways. The one thing that we can recognize about mankind is we always go astray. We always get it wrong. We always do it wrong. So when we find a conflict between lifestyle and, uh, and the Bible, we should try to go with the Bible rather than trying to discard the Bible and go with, with what's our societal norms. So, yeah, I would just say, look at the old Testament with an open mind, realizing it's the same God in the new Testament. It is in the old Testament. Uh, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's there's nothing wrong with trying to be more like God and live more like what he, what he said. Also, if you believe in the freedom that we have in America, that we have dominion over the earth, that God has put us here in charge, you know, that you can go out and you can hunt and you can fish and that you can have a clear conscience about enjoying God's creation. Some of these things were established in the old Testament and their promises that we, that we have as being, you know, dominion over the earth, um, having the, the promise that I mentioned as far as the covenants that God made with, Moses and David and Abraham and Adam and some of these things that we believe in. Every time you open up Psalms and you read David talking about God's promises and you you get your morning coffee with your Psalms and your Proverbs and your New Testament verses, realize all of these promises that you're believing in, they come from the same God in the New Testament as the Old Testament. And so there is this continuity between the old and the new that really shouldn't just get discarded and thrown out and just say everything in the old testament is is old so i think the safest thing to, to do is always obey god if you get a chance be more like god less like you less like the world and don't be afraid to open up the uh, the old testament and realize that there's a lot of information <laughs> about how god intended for us to live so we could have communion with him uh i wanted to just read a couple verses and make one final point um uh, before we sign off. And this is the, this is the last thing that David said to his son, Solomon, before he died. Uh, David's, and you can find this in first Kings chapter two, I'm going to read four verses. It won't be very long. He says, now the days of David drew nigh that he should die. And he charged Solomon, his son saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong, therefore, and show thyself a man and keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses. That thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest and whithersoever thou turnest thyself, that the Lord may continue his word which he spake concerning me, saying, If thy children take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, there shall not fail thee said he, a man on the throne of Israel. Now, <clears throat> what you find is that the nation of Israel under Moses was commanded that every seven years they were to gather the entire nation of Israel and read the law before them. The entire Old Testament up to the point that was written would be read in the ears of everyone in the nation of Israel once every seven years. And you find that charge uh, given back in uh, the Pentateuch under Moses. You see Joshua do that prior to going into Canaan land and crossing the Jordan. You find David charging Solomon that. And then unfortunately it was lost and it was lost until King Josiah uh, finds uh, the law of the Lord. Actually, he didn't find it. Um, I think it was Shaphan the scribe found the law of the Lord basically in a corner of the temple and it was just like getting dusty and you find out that King Josiah reads 
the law and the prophets in second Kings chapter 22 for the first time, you know, in, in dozens and dozens of years. And that was something that God wanted done because he knew how it would affect mankind. And unfortunately, we don't do that anymore. We don't go through the entire Bible. They just had to read it once every seven years. And, you know, I hate to say it, but do we get through the Bible once every seven years? We should. We should be working our way through it and we should be doing the whole thing because God knew that that would help keep us on the straight and narrow. So it is so important that we pick up that charge and do what God said. And if you're a father, it's your job to make sure that your family gets through the Bible. And that is what is going to help you stay grounded and have a heart after God and not be uh, selfish and self-centered and want to run your life your way instead of God's way. So um, do not neglect 80% of the Bible uh, and just throw it out. Um, you're, it's just ridiculous. Uh, when you think about the number of Christians who have bled and died to keep this book together and being passed on through, through the centuries, for us to just throw it aside and say, well, I only know it need bits and pieces at the end of it. You know, shame on us for thinking that. Um, Caleb, one, was, one thing I want to add to that real quick, which is um, if you find the Bible to be boring and it's more interesting to read a novel, it may be because you're most mostly familiar with the New Testament. And like I mentioned earlier, you have the Old Testament is packed full of stories, very interesting stories. The New Testament is Jesus, 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 Jesus. And okay, mm -hmm. there's plenty of very interesting things in the New Testament. But if you go to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and you hear something that you feel like is very redundant because you've heard it a million times, you know, believe in Jesus and you'll be saved. Believe in Jesus. It's kind of like Patrick said, do we have to keep bringing this up that our salvation comes this way? Like we should know this. Um, and I'm not trying to in any way say that reading the new Testament somehow is second to the old Testament. But if you find the Bible to be boring, go back and read the old Testament. Mm -hmm. It is packed <clears throat> with riveting stories. I've, I've mentioned before that my favorite book of the Bible is, is the book of James. Mm -hmm. I've read James. Well, I've read the, I've read the entire Bible front to back six times, but I probably read James maybe 10 times. I've read first and second Samuel, probably 20, 25 times. Yeah. I love those books. Oh, yeah. It is an extremely interesting story. There's some things in the Old Testament, you know, you get into numbers and um, uh, judges and and some, you know, some of those books where it's going through the the, the chronological order of stuff, even in the in the, the beginning of is it uh, uh, the Gospel of John that it goes through a lot of the the um, lineage coming to Jesus. Some of that stuff can, can be a little bit boring. I, I, I'm not saying that there's plenty of stuff in the old Testament. It isn't an easy read, but if you really dig into it, you'll fall in love with God's word in the old Testament and learn to know the God of the new Testament in a way that you couldn't know him. If you hadn't spent the time in the old Testament. No, I, I think you're right, Caleb, uh, to be honest with you, I can't even remember the last time I studied the new Testament. I'm mostly in the old and it is fascinating. And the, his, the history of it, the stories, you know, it's amazing. And uh, well, I'll start praying. I'll start praying for you to <laughs> come back to the New Testament. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. All right. We're at an hour and 10 minutes. So I'm going to sign off. Thanks everyone for joining us. Please come back next week as we discuss, is it okay to live with your girlfriend or boyfriend prior to marriage. What are we talking about? We're talking about fornication, the elephant in the room. 
Okay, sex before marriage. So we're going to get into that, and I'm sure it's going to be awkward, and we're going to make lots of people mad, and I'm going to have fun doing it. So have and a good if week. you're not <laughs> if you're not living in fornication, you know mm-hmm. somebody that is. So tune in yeah. next week because yeah, it's no interesting kidding. for how do we deal with this when we when we live with or live around, go to church with people that are living yep. in sin. That's how do we deal point. with that? We'll bring that up. Okay, everybody, Shabbat Shalom. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you, Patrick.